Um, So today's reading is taken from James 5, verses 13 to 20. Are any of you in trouble? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you ill? You should send for the church elders who will pray for them and rub olive oil on them in the name of the Lord. This prayer made in faith will heal the sick. The Lord will restore them to health and the sins they have committed will be forgiven. So then, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you will be healed. The prayer of a good person has a powerful effect. Elijah was the same kind of person as we are. He prayed earnestly that there would be no rain and no rain fell on the land for three and a half years. Once again he prayed and the sky poured out its rain and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if any of you wander away from the truth and another one brings them back again, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner back from his or her wrong way will save that sinner's soul from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Great, thanks Alice. Peter, why don't you come up? We're going to pray for you before you speak to us this morning. Why don't we all stretch our hands towards Peter and we'll pray. So Father, I pray now that you'd fill Peter with your spirit, that you would give him the words to say to help us um, learn more about who you are and what it is that you're speaking over us as a church now. In your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Morning, everybody. Amon and Toby, it's great to see you here. Um, welcome. As you know, the Stones have stepped down from leading King Centre. They're on the way to America. And um, what we need now is a visa. So do please pray for them and keep praying for them. Now, we've been looking um, in a little bit more depth at what it means to follow Jesus and to know him as your Lord and the submission that goes with that. And our topic this morning is accountability. When Jesus called the twelve, his invitation was not agree with me or think like me, or serve me. His invitation was, come and follow me. Share my life. And he invited those 12 into a process of being discipled, just as he invites us, every one, into being his disciple. And we expect, as we follow Jesus, that he will take all the things that happen the good things, the bad things, the indifferent things that happen. And he will use them to grow us, to grow our character, to grow our abilities, to grow our gifts, so that we become more like him. And our topic this morning, accountability, is a tricky one. Because it's the kind of thing that everybody agrees with, accountability is a good thing. And it's a bit like talking about community. You don't find anybody who disagrees with it. But accountability is a tricky subject. It's not an easy thing to do, actually. And it's very interesting in this last section of James that he ends his letter on what to do when your brothers and sisters are sick or in trouble. 
And basically, the answer is to pray for them, to get the church together, you know, to use the healing oil, to include the elders, to pray for them. And he comments that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful because you're no different from Elijah. And look what happened when he prayed. What is a righteous person? I googled it. They are good, virtuous, upright, upstanding, decent, worthy, ethical, principled, moral, high-minded, law-abiding, just, honest, innocent, faultless, honourable, blameless, guiltless, irreproachable, sinless, uncorrupted, anti-corruption, saintly, angelic, pure, noble, noble-minded, pious, and God-fearing. And in case that's not enough, righteous behaviour or righteousness, justifiable, justified, legitimate, defensible, supportable, just, rightful, well-founded, sound, valid, admissible, allowable, understandable, excusable acceptable, reasonable, and sensible. That's what Google thinks. But righteousness in Jesus is completely different. It's got nothing to do with how upright or moral your character is. Righteousness comes from belonging to Jesus. It comes from knowing that God sees you the way he sees Jesus. Because you are identified with Jesus. Because when Jesus died and rose, you became part of him. And when God sees you, he sees Jesus. Not the way you are right now, like me, very far away from the perfection and the righteousness of God. But as Jesus is, and as you will be when you see him face to face. And James does not link effective prayer with ethical behaviour. But he does make a link to accountability. He does bring in, confess your sins to one another. And that's part of the praying. And it's not necessarily the sins of the person you're praying for that need to be confessed. It's the people who are praying just as much. Now, the church used to, and in many places still does, make a big deal out of confession. And there's much to be said for it, though not some of its theological background. We don't confess our sins on the understanding that the ones we admit are forgiven and the ones we don't admit we're going to have to pay for in purgatory. It doesn't work like that. Confession is about receiving the forgiveness that you already have because of Jesus. But the heart of confession is about openness and accountability and choosing to live in the light with your brothers and sisters. And when you come to pray... When you pray for healing, you acknowledge that you don't have any righteousness of your own. Lord, I have no righteousness of my own. I've got nothing to bring that might heal this person. It's just me in all my mess. On my own, there's no reason why God would listen to my prayers. On my own, I'm, I'm as far away from the Father as light is from darkness. If not for Jesus. 
Now, there is a story that I love. It's uh, in a book that Brother Yun um, wrote about the explosion of the cell church, the house church across China. And um, it's a scary story. And it's a young woman who was very on fire for Jesus. I think she's about 23 years old. And she's walking through the, past the police station. And she has such a sense that she needs to get up on the police station steps and start telling people about Jesus. And um, instead of doing what I would do in that situation, would she ask, well, what if it's not God? Uh, she asked, what if it is God? And she got up on the steps of the police station and she started telling people as they walked past about Jesus. And the story doesn't say whether anybody listened, but the police certainly did listen. And um, the story does not end with the chief superintendent or whatever their ranks are coming out and kind of falling on his knees and confessing the name of Jesus. What happened was she got arrested. And because she would not renounce her belief in Jesus, she was convicted and sentenced to a long time in prison. And when she was in prison, her impact was such, because she carried on being completely transparent about her faith, her impact was such that the entire life of that prison was changed. It had been a very violent and dark place, really difficult both for the inmates and the guards. The whole atmosphere of it changed. Loads of people became Christians, inmates and guards. The whole atmosphere, what it was like to live there, what it was like to be a prisoner, what it was like to be a guard, the whole place was impacted under the power of the gospel. And um, when her sentence was finished, they asked her to take a senior position on the prison staff. I don't know how often that happens. Um, she said no because she had a different calling. But... And what I love about that story is not the very, very high bar bit of preaching on the prison steps, which is pretty high bar. It's that she was determined to be completely open and transparent about who she was and who Jesus is in her. She didn't hide it. She didn't not let kind of let it out because it wasn't socially acceptable or because it was illegal. She was completely transparent about who Jesus is. And our vision is to see our city like that prison transformed under the impact of the gospel. And I, I wonder if the single one big thing among us, God's people, not just this church, but across the city, the single big thing that would step change that is if we were as transparent about our faith as that young woman was. Now, if we, we really were not that bothered about whether it was socially acceptable or legal or whatever, but we were that transparent about the life of Jesus. And openness and transparency begins at home. You know, you can't not be open and transparent in your kind of community and family and then kind of put it on like a coat as soon as you step out the door and be this kind of 
transparent about Jesus' person. It starts at home. It flows out of who you are and what you are at home. And if we cannot be open with each other, it's unlikely that we can be open with people who do not believe in Jesus. Submitting to the Lord means submitting to each other, and part of that is living in the light. Now, this is kind of living in the light is a little bit like the spiritual equivalent of taking a shower. And, um, you know, we're not talking about physical hygiene this morning and loving your brothers and sisters by arriving to church clean. But, but you know, there's, there's a bit of an analogy there. And I, I want you to imagine a kind of uh, a young child somewhere between seven and ten who is not interested in washing. You know, it is a battle. Every mealtime, have you washed your hands? Yes, mum. Let me see them. And the backs, go and wash them again. And, and it's not just the hands, it's, you know, bedtime. Have you washed your face? Did you, did you wash behind you? Did you wash your neck? Have you, have you brushed your teeth? And, and every conversation about how clean you are is a battle. Because to the seven or ten-year-old, it does not matter. This is not important. It's not worth the time. Why would anybody care about washing? And then I want you to imagine the same child as their adolescent and beginning to be interested in the opposite gender, maybe, and um, everything changes. And from not caring about how clean they are, they might even go in the opposite direction. And suddenly, it's really interesting. You know, if a deodorant works, it's really interesting. Being clean is really interesting for the first time. And um, nothing about the process of washing has changed. It's just the mindset. And the point in me saying that is, if you are like that seven-year-old and you haven't got any fire in you about Jesus, you know, you're dry and cold and the love of Jesus and who he is and your identity in him you know, it just doesn't spark you, then trying to give you a kind of hygiene lecture on accountability is going to get nowhere. You're wasting your time if you give your five- or seven-year-old speeches about cleanliness if they're not interested. But if you talk to someone who is interested, then they're all there because they want to be clean and attractive. And I'm not saying that so that if you kind of feel cold and dry, you feel bad. But if that's you, don't worry about the accountability. Ask God for the fire. Ask God to ignite in you some fire. Ask him to remind you how much he loves you and to show you something about that today. So let's get practical. Do you have an accountability partner? It's a very simple question. Do you have an accountability partner? 
actually, I'm going to have to do it this way. We cannot talk about accountability and you just sit there. Turn to the person next to you and tell them if you have an accountability partner. You don't have to talk about what you tell that partner. Just do you have an accountability partner? Just tell the person next to you. Okay. Okay, you can, you can continue that and you can finish explaining why you don't have one <laughs> later on. The next, the next question is, if you do, how real is that relationship? I mean, to start with, what is the frequency of talking to your accountability partner? I mean... If you have a shower about every six months, it's not going to be great. What is the frequency? And when you do share, how much of what's going on with you do they actually know? And because my own experience with doing this is that it's very easy to tell your accountability partner about 95% of what's going on. But that last 5% is really hard, often because you're so ashamed of it. The funny thing is, when they share their last 5%, it doesn't seem much at all. But, but your 5% is really, really hard to do. If you don't share very much, then it's like going into the bathroom because you've been told to have a shower and turning the shower on but not actually getting under the water. You're, you, you know, you're going through the motions, I am having a shower, but no actual water is landing on your body. If you do accountability, but your accountability partner doesn't really know that last 5%, then you're wasting your time, really. And is there any challenge? Now, there's... There's lots of risks with accountability. It's, it's not an easy process. I mean, sometimes it goes wrong. Sometimes if there's one very dominant personality, you know, it can be, a, you know, within the territory of spiritual abuse. You know, if, if, if you kind of, someone is really heavy with someone else and kind of puts them under their thumb and, you know, accountability can go wrong like that. And... Um, Again, if, you, if you're very self-focused and it's a very self-focused age, you know, it can just be another conversation that's all about me. So it's not an easy thing. But, but again, my, my experience is that, that we are most likely to collude with each other. So you kind of, you don't press for the last little bit that you need to ask. You don't press you know, somebody says something, I tell my accountability partner something, but they, they don't press. Just ask that next gentle question that actually makes me come clean. And what that's doing, that's like going in the shower and you do stand in the water, but you don't use any soap products. You know, the water comes, but you don't use any shampoo. You don't use any soap. And, and so some stuff comes off, 
but the kind of the grease and the, you know, the deeper stuff is still there when you walk out of the shower. Is there any challenge in your accountability? You know, bearing in mind that the thing that God wants to do is very often not the thing that I am most upset or ashamed about. You know, very often the, the thing that God wants to do is not the same as the thing that I am most upset about. He's actually focused on something else. And it's often the thing that's behind the thing. You know, the, the reason why this stuff is happening. And it's, it's great to come for prayer ministry. We love it. But there is something about a longer-term decision to walk in the light that is very, very powerful. I mean, I, I meet my accountability partner. It's the same one I have in, had in Coventry. Um, same guy. And so we do it by Skype. And it's about six to eight weeks. And um, he knows, you know, pretty much, pretty much what there is to know about what's going on with me. Um, so we do okay on the frequency and the sharing. I think on the challenging, we're, we're pretty gentle with each other. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, by now, there will be two groups of people in this room. There will be those who do have an accountability partner and those who don't have an accountability partner. So the invitation is very simple. If you don't have an accountability partner, get one. Get one. Because you're, you're playing with fire if you don't, because you, you've decided to keep your stuff private. But submitting to Jesus also means submitting to one another. And part of that is walking in the light. So if you don't have an accountability partner, get one. Choose someone who likes you and who you like, but also choose someone who will not just, you know, who will not give you too easy a ride, who will not say, oh yeah, you know, everybody does that. You know, who, someone who helps you find What's God's invitation and challenge in all this? You know, some, sometimes my accountability partner, all he says to me is, you know what, Peter, God really loves you. He, you know, he knows you're struggling with that. He really loves you. And then he'll pray for me and he'll get something from God and it's comforting and encouraging. And sometimes it will, you know, it'll be a bit more. But he's always looking to what's, the Father's invitation and challenge in it is always looking to the Holy Spirit to see what God wants to speak into it. And it always comes out of love and it never comes out of condemnation. If, if you do have an accountability partner, I want to bring you back to how real you are being. Because the first 95% is easy but it's that last 
That is the difference between walking in the light or the darkness. And you know the the temptations of leadership, Christian leadership, they always say is money, sex and power. I reckon that's pretty good for anybody. It's it's usually, you know, one one of those areas um, that is for you the one that's really hard to talk about. It's one of those areas. Or all of them. There is another side to accountability. Just want to end on this. I focus very much on kind of walking in the light and leaving a transparent life. But if your accountability just focuses on what you shouldn't be doing, then that's kind of half the story. With your accountability partner, you should also be stirring up faith to take hold of what God's called you to do in your life, at the stage you are now, with the people that you are now, doing what you do now, and to take hold of it and run with it. So, um, I'm going to ask the band to to come up, and I, I want this to be as practical as possible. So if this talk has felt like you might feel if you're 10 years old and listening to a lecture on hygiene that you don't care about, just ask God to put some fire in your heart, to open your eyes a bit. Don't feel condemned. If you don't have an accountability partner, ask the Holy Spirit as we worship to tell you who you should ask. You know, God is not slow when we want to follow him to answer our prayers. And if you do have an accountability partner, just let the Holy Spirit examine your heart a bit. Are you actually using that re- relationship? Do you, do you meet often enough? And, and when you meet, you know, are, you, are you really getting to the stuff? Are you really determined to help each other walk through this? Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective.